guys. Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. I'm joined here tonight, as almost always, by Ronald. You can say pretty much always. Pretty much always. All but that one time. All two but that times. Two times. Henku van Bake's interview, and when Belinda did a better job than you. Belinda. Okay, fine. She didn't give you nearly as much cuck as you deserve. Yeah, I guess that's true. But then again, there's only one Ronald, hey? Only one of us can be as wrong as you always are. Okay, fine. Whatever. So, big day today, Ronnie. We got our tickets to Ellis Park. Thanks to me. Thanks to you. Thanks to being an FNB client, doing some free advertising for them here. Yeah. But we've got some tickets there. Eight of us will be going through to the game. That's going to be quite lacquer. Got a band together. Do we legitimately like a... have eight people, or are you saying we've got eight tickets and we're finding more for you? We've got seven people with one ticket open. You always do that. You always seem to take uh... one extra. Plus one along. Yeah, one one extra seat just in case someone joins at the last minute. Do you want to tell us about some of your past plus ones that have joined or not? Yeah, well, last year I took our buddy Linzer. It was his okay. birthday this weekend. Happy right. birthday, Linzer. <laughs> I'm not going to fall down Ronnie's trap there. <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to that game. I think we're going to do the park and ride probably, but we'll get the, the listeners' intake on that before we make a decision. Going to be good to see the box at Loftus and at Ellis Park here, Ronald. Yeah, you say that. But I'm not a fan of either of those stadiums, to be quite honest with you. And and I think we've said enough times that we don't actually want to go back to Ellis Park. But somehow you convinced me that I have to go. I think similar to what you had me do to your hamster, you wrote, you wrote me into this one. And I couldn't say no. Yeah, Ronnie, I don't know. It's a tough one because I think, and I tweeted it today, actually, you know, the only reason we're going there is because we love the Springboks. If, if it wasn't for that, that stadium would never see us again. Yeah, yeah unfortunately you know it's hard hard not to go and watch the boys when they are playing so close to home but talking about stadiums maybe we can just have a bit of a laugh here yeah. so guys will have seen last week i put out that article on why we rate Greenpoint so highly just again we don't like cape town we just like Greenpoint yeah. and the aquarium we're talking about the stadium yeah, and the aquarium the aquarium was pretty good but the stadium itself not where it is not the fact that it's cape town the stadium and the experience at the stadium so one oak tunes on facebook he's like no listen Greenpoint is shit. You sit way too far from the field and you can't see what's going on. He's like, you should check out Loftus. Now, I don't know, Ronnie, when were you last at Loftus? Because the last time I was there, there's like a five meter walkway followed by a cattle fence, followed by two meters to the pitch of grass. I don't know what he meant by that. We've had some great seats at Great Greenpoint. Yeah, I've been able to see we've sat on two different sides of the stadium. And, and besides, let's, let's just be honest. If you go to a stadium, you're not really watching the game. You're cheering with people around you and you're there for the atmosphere and the fierce and the goosebumps that you get and singing the anthem and the fireworks and, you know, when the Springboks score a try, cheering along with the people around you. So you're not actually aware of what's going on in the game. Yeah, I guess it depends how many beers you have at the stadium, how accurate that statement is. But it definitely is. It's the entire experience you can have there. And I'm sorry, Loftus loses on every front to Greenpoint. Except maybe the bra outside the stadium. Yeah, the bra outside the stadium is pretty good, yeah. right? And the fact that Loftus is just down the road here, Linwood yeah. Road. Then also a bit of a laugh, Ronnie. I don't know if you saw the video of Hilton College running out onto the field this weekend. What happened? So they've got the guys going, all the war cries going, and then two school kids holding the school flag. And they run number one, number two, number three's too tall, and he hits that flag. Flag knocks him over, knocks the rest of the Oaks coming through the oh, tunnel. No. And there he is limping for kickoff, <laughs> trying to get his lamy out of his leg. Yes, that was quite a laugh. So there was a time I played hockey. Yeah. And I was a goalie, okay? And we're playing against our rival school. And there was also, it was first team hockey. And 
I was playing goalie and for some unknown reason we also had to run out of the tunnel and I'm running in full goalie kit and I trip in front of oh, both no. schools in the middle of the tunnel, which fortunately no one saw. But in getting up, I hadn't gathered myself properly. I took another three or four steps and I bailed in <laughs> full view of everyone. Second fall, those in the tunnel got to see it twice. Everyone else saw it only once. Yes, say, Ronnie, I would have loved to have seen that. I'm definitely not going to lie. But I mean, I think that's probably the fastest sprint I ever did was through those tunnels, you know. Spend my energy coming through there, then I was useless on the field for the rest of the day. So you're one of those that, like, sprinted for 15 meters. Full tilt, man. (laughs) I was one of those that took a gradual run onto the field, looked very focused, like I was in the the moment. You know, I didn't, didn't rush. I made it look like I knew what I was doing. Like a Luke Watson. Definitely not like a Luke Watson. <laughs> yeah, and then just another another thing that I found really funny today was Stephen Jones publishing an article calling out the London Sevens for being a flop and all of this. But the London Sevens is only next weekend. So Stephen, I think you need to check your calendar, bud. It was in Toulouse this weekend. So what you're saying is he pre-wrote that. He definitely pre-wrote that. Guys were calling him out on Twitter today. It was really funny watching him block everybody. <laughs> And then also, SA Rugby Mag. Andre Pollard got a calf niggle ahead of the Tigers' semi-final game, and he was withdrawn from the squad. But there he was, walking on the side of the field in a tracksuit, no issue, nothing like that. And now he's got this big injury, and the Springboks are sweating over his fitness. So some interesting journalism out there today. Are we going to bring this topic up again later? Because I'd like to add something. Yes, we can definitely bring this one up a little later, Ronnie. Okay. And then there's one thing that you should definitely say. Okay, I'll tell the story. So you've obviously copped a lot of flack from certain people on Facebook complaining about the fact that your page or the punted page keeps appearing on their feed. Correct. Right? And this gentleman, we won't name his name. You know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> well, he, he doesn't. He clearly hates the page so much he won't <laughs> listen to this podcast. But absolutely going off at you and saying, why the bloody hell are you guys on my Facebook page? You know, not very smart, doesn't know how to block a page on Facebook to prevent it from appearing on their feed. So uh, there's some, some stupid people out there. Social media really gives people a voice and sometimes they use it to express the biggest load of nonsense. Yep. That's the way it goes. But then, Ronnie, something really epic to talk about, and that's the URC. We had the semifinals on this weekend. The Irk. The Irk. <laughs> Uh, So we had a big one down in Cape Town. Stormers getting a 43-25 win over Connacht. Yeah, well done to the Stormers. Unfortunately for South Africans, we all have to get behind the Stormers now. I I really, I detest, I detest Western Province and Stormers, but they just seem to be the only team in South Africa that's firing. Yeah, I had the extreme displeasure today. My candidate attorney is a Stormers fan. And he took a nice dance into my office, you know, so as much as we like South Africa doing well, it really hurts me when it's the Stormers and I'm starting to grow your dislike for the team as well, right? It's just, fortunately, they're just too good at this point. But I mean, what a game down there. So it was tight in the beginning, you know, it took the Stormers a little bit to settle. They were rattled by Connacht in the early stages of the game. And then one moment, Marnie Lubbock gives a little chip over to Angela Davids. And boom, try on the board, Stormers settle. Yeah, uh, Marty Libok had a great game. Extremely great game. So you said it, man of the match performance in both finals so far. Yeah, I mean, that's how you make a statement. Hey, he had a shaky game against Munster, who he will now get a chance to redeem himself against. And he's had 
man of the match and man of the match thereafter. And so I agree with you. Marnie Libok is an exceptional player. Marnie Libok is, for me, the replacement for Elton Yankees. 100%. Um, 100%. Marnie Libok deserves to be a springbok, but he deserves to be a springbok as much as Vili LaRue deserves to be a springbok. Would you like me to qualify? Yeah, I'd like you to qualify that. Okay, so before Marnie Libok started to play exceptionally well and played his socks off, he dropped the ball over his own try line, defending, Correct. of course. And that's fine. Everyone can make mistakes. He made up for it fantastically. But the problem that I have with that is just like Vili LaRue, every time the ball goes to them, you ask yourself, Vili or Vagdi? Yeah. I guess you've got a point there, but I mean, to cut, yes, he had a handling error behind his own goal line, but then he comes back, he contributes 23 points, two tries, two try assists. I mean, you talk sound, about making up for it. You sound like uh, Martin, but colleague slash friend of mine, his performance did undo his his faux pas. However, when you're faced against the All Blacks, they're going to capitalize on mistakes like that. And it only takes one slip up like that to lose a game. For sure. Look, Marnie's also not experienced on the test stage. So give him some experience and you might find that these things get coached away. It's a minor slip and I think he more than made up for it. And in fact, Conaf captain Jack Carty coming out saying after the game, you know, it would be wrong for Marnie not to be in the reckoning for the Bok 10 jersey. I agree. They said they planned to target him. And once he settled into the game, they really struggled to get anything going. And I mean, two tries, one thing. Another two try assists. That was a cross kick for... Angelo Davids and another cross kick for Ruan Null. That's a player that's showing variety in his game. We haven't had that for a long time. No, look, I just wanted to make that comment about the mistake that he made. I'm a big fan of Vili as well. They just sometimes make an error at the yeah at, when you don't want them to make an error. But look, Moni Libok played his socks off and well-deserved man of the match performance. And also, I think I want to give a shout out here to Herschel Yankees. I thought he had shout a shout out really- Herschel. Hit us up. He had a really strong game there. I thought he was making some good tackles and even getting involved in the rucks. He almost got a turnover had it not been for Franz Mulherber not rolling away. <laughs> so, Herschel, you had a cracker as well. And then, Ronnie, we cannot do this episode justice if we don't talk about Hasjiva Diamani's flick Cheeky. around the back. Cheeky. That was. Was that filthy. necessary? Was it necessary, right? So, we actually briefly spoke about this. We're cheating a bit because we spoke about this yesterday, but. Firstly, the king of the ba- behind-the-back pass is Lucanio. Yeah, correct. Fantastic. And Lucanio does it when you're not supposed to do it, shouldn't be able to do it, and he gets away with it, and it's amazing, and it looks fantastic. Damani, I think, could have maybe not done such a 50-50 pass. Well, he got 100% on that He got 100 He got he, all the risk and all the reward to him. Well done. Got all the reward, but there was risk that, that didn't pay off. I think it more reflects the Stormers' confidence. He knew there would be a runner there. Good They're point. playing with flair. And I think it's that sort of flair and, and willingness to attack that brings a crowd of 47,000 fans to watch you in the semis. Okay, I concede. You're right. When you do things like that, when you have the confidence, similar to how Intermac and what's a scrummy with DuPont. no neck? DuPont. A scrummy with no neck. You know, what's a, you know when they play and they do those flashy things and they run from behind their own line and you do that when you're very confident. So I mean, think about it when we were in high school is when Sonny Bill Williams first came onto the scene. And how many oaks at break and when you're playing touchies are trying the Sonny Bill offload. Think of how many school kids today were trying the Diamani back pass. The Lucania. The Lucania and the Diamani, whatever it may be. But I mean, this is the kind of thing that really builds rugby up. 
And then Ronnie, I thought it was quite a gamble from Dobson, coach John Dobson. He did not start or even play Marvin Ori and Dion Ferry. They were both medically cleared, but he decided to rest them. And now that's really going to pay off that they're going to be fully fit and available for the final. Yeah, that's good. Not taking a risk with your injury-prone players. Yeah. Okay. Okay, maybe they're not injury-prone as yet. Not yet. But yeah, not not playing a, a player when until you absolutely know that they are ready to play. And like you say, I mean, they're just going to fire on all cylinders now in in this weekend, this coming weekend's final. I'm sure a lot of people saw it. It was deleted very quickly from their account, but nothing's ever really deleted. We found it later on Reddit. The Storm is celebrating the later victory. What were they celebrating there, Ronnie? The fact that Munster won and they'd be facing Munster or the fact that they were getting a home final? Both. 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 I think it was both. Because I think, I think their chances were... I don't know, they maybe had a 40% chance going into a final being played in, in Dublin against Leinster, as opposed to now, I think, you know, they're clear favourites. Home field advantage, Munster has to travel, they've been doing a lot of travelling, and now they're just going to get punished with another travel down south here, and yeah, the Stormers are going to use that field to their advantage. Yeah, so the Stormers definitely celebrating very hard there. I posted the video out and I said wrong answers only. And to see what people would come back with. And there were some really South African ones there. No load shedding for the yes, Petrol price drops by five rand. <laughs> <laughs> petrol price drops. Yeah, petrol price drops. So, yeah, there were some good funny answers there. But Stormers deserved the celebration. Obviously, they had to wait till later in the day to find out whether they'd be traveling or having a home game. Because Munster and Leinster were to face off. And Munster winning that one 16-15 away from home. So I watched this game, and I thought it was one of the best games I've watched in a very long time. Other people said no, but I don't know what what they were on about. I thought it was a fairly strong Leinster team, and it was a very strong Munster team. And Munster just played their socks off, and it was a tight game. And, you know, one point in it at the end, fantastic. So I think we just need to stop right here quickly and talk how you lied to our listeners last week. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ronnie told you all he'd be picking Munster to win this fixture. But I did pick Munster. It's in the previous recording. I said Munster was But it's win. not what appeared on your Super Brew screen. No, no, no. So no, Ronnie, in no. fact, picked Leinster no. by 13. And I picked Munster by 2. Ronnie, would you tell the listeners who was right there? Yeah, well, I changed mine last minute when I saw your yours. So I changed mine. <laughs> Listen to this, so I luckily Look, got some. I to... said it in last weekend's last week's recording. I said Munster going to win. That's all that matters. I was right. Well done. Hedging your bets, eh? right on the podcast, and then hoping you would be right on Super Brew. I don't know. Yeah, Ronald Lacker there. But I think Munster they played one hell of a game. I think everyone just needs to know Leinster. It was quite absurd watching fifteen, sixteen of their star players sitting on the side of the field. In the stands, not still a strong team, though. Yes, it was still a strong team, but a lot of the commentary out on social media is that this was a Leinster B team. Leinster, if you chose to do that, so be it. But in Munster's defense, they were missing six of their top line players, including Archius Neyman, Connor Murray, Peter Omahani. Those are big names missing from their side. And Munster, yo, what a performance! Keith Earls had a cracker. I thought it was a great game, and it was Leinster. Leinster. Could easily have won it with their so-called B team. I just think Munster played exceptionally well. Yeah, Munster did play very, very well. I think Jack Crowley is going to be their national hero now <laughs> there in Munster. 78th minute drop goal is what sealed the win. 
But I mean, it was a strong start for Leinster. They got a penalty kick from Harry Byrne two minutes in and looked to settle the game down. They thought that they even scored a try in the 20th minute. Ryan Baird had the loose ball, but the ref called it back for the knock-on. And then it was just back and forth from there, hey, Ronnie. And 15-16 is a great, great result for finals rugby, right? That's a true final. Not like the Stormers 43-25 to connect. That's still full-stage games there. But Leinster, Munster was a hard-fought game. The rugby purists out there, I think, will, will have enjoyed that. Yeah, and I mean, a South African on the score sheet for Leinster. Jason Jenkins scoring just before halftime. And I think Munster also would have loved Tad Burns try managing to breach the Leinster line. But it really was one hell of a contest. It was, I also must agree with you, Ronnie, one of the best games I've watched. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Munster, as Jared Wright from Rugby Mad said today on Twitter, are the villains of the URC. They had a shitty start to the season. We actually chirped them a few times on this podcast. And then they've come in the last, what, four or five weeks. They ended Glasgow's home run, undefeated home run. They ended the Stormers' win streak. And then they knocked Leinster out of the URC. You're right. Five or five and six or seven episodes ago, I said exactly that. I said Munster weren't firing. Munster weren't playing to what we saw was their potential last season. They just, you know, there was, they were a little, they were running at six volts instead of 12. And uh, it was a little bit disappointing, but you're absolutely right. Here in the end, in the death, when it really mattered, they stepped up and well, they're rightfully in the final. Yeah, I think you definitely can't write this Munster team off after what they've recently achieved. And remember, there's two weeks now before the final, so they can actually get to Cape Town and settle in if they choose to do so. Yeah, yeah. So, Ronnie, then can you give us a Super Brew update? Right, so Super Brew, one of the competitions we're running the rugby punted pool for is for the IRC or the URC. And as always, I'll start in third place. Third place is Esteban, which is Esteban Pretorius. I think he was on leaderboard last week or a DHL Stormers fan, unfortunately, 137.75 points. In second place, we got Wade's Got It. Does Wade have it? Wade Cox. He's a Sharks supporter. Wade Lacker. better got it. Wade's Wade's got it. I know he's got it. He's on 140 points and then just pipping him. Superest of brews. <laughs> and the superest of brews on 140.25 points is Sait Vess. And that's Davi Lievenberg. I'm pretty sure he was the leader last round as well. So I'm pretty sure. Can they catch Sait Vess? Yeah, they can. No, no, absolutely. It's, so it's Wade pretty can tough. This. Esteban can also also catch him. It's very close. You pick the right winner, you get the margin and the and the bonus and you're up there. I mean, Wade's in second place. Said Vess in first. It's 0.25 between them. So, yeah. Well, guys, one more game left. And the winner will be walking away with a rugby ball light. So keep it up. You've got to make that pick in the final. I think everyone's going to be going for the Stormers. So it's just going to be by how much. And the light looks great in the daytime. Uh, if there's load shedding, it still looks fantastic. You don't need it to be a light. <laughs> Thanks, ESCOM. And then, Ronnie, over quickly to the Prem. So it's not a competition we've really covered, but just to to give some results there. Sale got a 21-13 victory over Tigers. I think ending a 15-year finals drought. For Sale. For Sale, correct. So the Dupria brothers featuring quite strongly there, uh, specifically Dan Dupria. And that sees them then go up against Saracens, who were victorious 38-15 over Northampton Saints. Andre Pollard. Yeah, so as you guys would have heard earlier in the episode, Pollard did not take to the field for Tigers. He was named in the side, but he pulled up earlier with a calf strain. 
not as serious as it's been made out by SA Rugby Mag, but still an injury. Still an injury. So what, where, where's he on the no, no, listen, injury if, front if, scale? If, if Arches Neyman's mild concussion three episodes ago was injury worthy, then his calf strain's also injury worthy. Correct. I'll give it to you. So what, where is he on the scale? If he's so, injury prone. So tell me, prior to this injury, where what what injury did he carry? It was a ACL knee injury. An ACL, right? So close, but different injuries. Injury prone. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, we really are starting to get a feel out of Ronnie's nonsense over here. No, in the let's be honest now. He is our first choice, and a lot of people are saying. And I know you slated our dear friends at SA Rugby Mag, but Springboks are sweating. Right, if it if not Andre Pollard, then we go Marnie Lebok, sure, whatever. We back him all the way. He's our fly half, but we still want Andre Pollard to be fit and ready because he's a great player, and he just seems to be getting what was the word you used earlier? Niggles all around. Niggle. I don't know if I used that word, but you okay. can rewind. You used it earlier. <laughs> okay, Ronnie. Then we go over to the Curry Cup. So was... We're just moving on from Andre Pollard. Yeah, you agree with everything that I said, and he's injury prone. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, fine. Let's go to the Curry Cup. So, Curry Cup, we had the Griquas play host to the Blue Bulls. Grick was going down 20 to 40. Big victory for the Bulls, but I think it's a bit misleading considering it's basically the Bulls' URC side now. Yeah, agreed. But it's also all over the place at the moment. I mean, one week you're saying Griquas are playing well, next week they're losing by 20 points at home in Kimberley, and it's, it's all over the place. Maybe a very competitive Curry Cup. You know, I also think from a player welfare perspective, what the Bulls are doing with Ruan Nokia is not too great. I'm sure my players are watching it quite closely, but I mean, he played almost every game of the URC and now he's straight into the Curry Cup. Surely a player like that has earned himself some rest. Then Cheetahs going down to the Lions at home as well, 26 to 33. Lions also playing a lot of the URC players now in the Curry Cup competition. I think it's a case of the Lions Curry Cup players having played the URC earlier in the year, not the URC players playing Curry Cup. There we go. That would explain the results and then the sharks managing to get a win in Mbombela against the pumas 22 to 24 honestly i'd love to go watch the sharks in Mbombela. i would actually also like to see that so the sharks did play some urc guys apelele fassi was there james fenter and a handful of other ones but a number of players being rested down in durban so henry butter chamberlain also he got engaged so oh, yeah congratulations butter you guys will remember he was on the show a few episodes ago Massive shout out to Butter and to Hannah. And then we go off to Griffins. They went down at home as well. 21-25 Vierpia. Not as big of a win as you would have thought Vierpia would get there. Yeah, but the Griffins have put on some good performances this season. They beat the Blue Bulls. They definitely, they must have beat the Blue Bulls. Yeah, they definitely beat the Blue Bulls. They beat the Blue Bulls. (laughs) Yeah, so that wraps up your Curry Cup rugby for the weekend. You know, we've got the Heineken and Challenge Cup finals coming this weekend, Ronnie. That we do. So, do we talk about the fact that the Heineken and Challenge Cups are mixed in between our URC and Premiership final rounds? In what way? Don't you think it's disruptive for all of these competitions to be concluding at the same time? Don't you think uh, we should finish the URC and then go into the finals and, and, and that for the Champions and Challenge Cup? You know, I was thinking about that earlier, and I actually saw the only side that's ever won their domestic competition and the Heineken Cup has been to lose in 2019. Okay. So it is quite hard, it seems, for teams to balance going into both. I mean, you saw Leinster last year losing the semis of the URC and then the final against La Rochelle. 
now Leinster again are knocked out and they're going to face La Rochelle again. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. From a fan perspective, I don't mind it too much. But from a player perspective, it might be a bit distracting. It's quite disruptive. I, my manager actually walked in today. We had a discussion about it. Just switching back and forth so often, it's just, it's it's confusing. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I've got a small brain. Well, Ronnie, something to say, and they're calling it meritocracy. The Heineken and Challenge Cups, as of the end of next year, will be selected according to merit and not according to representation from each country and each division Ooh. in a competition. Ooh. So, so the Sharks would make it. Yeah, it's a, a year too late for the Sharks, unfortunately. But as of next year, it looks like that's what we're going to go back to. Which sucks for Wales because they didn't finish in the top eight, top half of the URC. They only made it because of they topped their shield. And Italy. The Italian sides will also struggle with that. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. But then, Ronnie, let's take a look at this weekend's fixtures. So we first got Glasgow Warriors versus Toulon. That's on Friday night at 9 p.m. at the Aviva. Tough game. Toulon. 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 Uh, You know what? I'm going to back the Safa coach, and I'm going to go for Glasgow Warriors. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad because Glasgow, I mean, they did lose out last week or whatever in the URC. But, you know, they've played pretty well. And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, they've been quite strong. Won a couple of uh, clutch games. So, well done to them. Yeah, so that's going to be an excellent one to watch. And then on Saturday, we've got Leinster at first La Rochelle. That's on Saturday at 5.45 kickoff. These are South African times, by the way, guys. I'm not this sure. This is a the... Pretoria time, not Cape Town time. So that's going to be a banger of a game. It is at the Aviva, Leinster's home ground. Who have you got for that one, Ronald? So La Rochelle always beats Leinster. Yeah, I'm also backing La Rochelle. More South Africans in their team. So like I said, rock, paper, scissors. La Rochelle always beats... Uh paper that's true that's true well now we've got to add in Munster beating Leinster not just the Blue Bulls yeah like it gets a bit complicated when <laughs> yeah. you lizard's pocket <laughs> yeah it's going to be a cracking weekend of rugby I can't wait to watch those games that's for sure it's going to be interesting to see how they go and Leinster obviously now need to bring that trophy home after sacrificing the URC with a watered down side in their semi-final you make a good point though because if they don't win the Champions Cup now people are going to lambaste them for their so-called B team in in the URC. That's true for sure, Ronnie. And then over to Super Rugby Pacific, there were some hectic results this weekend. Some things I did not see Chiefs. coming. Yeah, Chiefs. So Chiefs. Let's Chiefs. go to that game straight off the bat. Chiefs that unbeaten, was... and then the Reds step in. Reds, coached by Brad Thorne, former oh. All Black, twenty-five twenty-two point win for the Queensland Reds. Unbelievable. At no the one Chiefs saw home it. grounds, eh? Hey? It was a a 1% expectation, I believe, on Super Brew. So no one saw the Reds winning. And I think it was, yeah, unbelievable. One player's wife that plays Super Brew picked the Reds to win in this (laughs) one. (laughs) Yeah, that was unreal. Then Western Force got a big 34-14 win over the Fijian Drua. Hurricanes with a massive 71.22 over Moana Pacifica. Disappointing, but okay. And then also a bit of a disappointing performance for me was the Blues this weekend. They really suffered from the Blues and they went down to the Crusaders 15-3. Where was Bowden Barrett playing? I actually can't even tell you, Ronnie. Was he playing fullback or fly-off? I bet if they lost, he was playing fly-off. Well, we can go and check that later and let everybody know. Then Waratah's 38 points to 20 win over the Rebels. And finally, wrapping up the weekend's action is another Aussie side getting the better of the Kiwis with the Brumbies getting a 48-32 point win over the Highlanders. Well done. Ireland is still struggling this season. Ireland is still struggling. So, Ronnie, we then also just need to chat at something I saw on Twitter today, which I found quite 
You spend quite quite a bit of time on. And I don't know why, because it really makes me angry. There's a lot of morons on. There's a lot of morons, but it is. It's the it's the town hall for morons. Everybody has an opinion there, and what? How many characters? Two hundred. No, it's way more now. A thousand something. A thousand? Yeah, but yeah. that defeats the purpose. I know. But people can really drive. I do not engage. I imply that rule there. But there's a lot of morons. You only on engage on Facebook. Correct. You pick those fights. Yeah. <laughs> sensible fights. But this is a tweet from AP Rugby, and he pointed out quite nicely, the South Africans are actually in the perfect sweet spot now. Aside from the Stormers, almost all of our players are out of competition now, resting. So you've got... Vincent Koch, Kurbis Reinach, Archie Sneeman involved with Munster and in the top 14. And then it's only Malcolm Marks, Dialende and Lurt in the Japanese final this weekend. After that, it's only the Stormers boys. All of them getting well, rested, going into camp soon. Well, it's great for everyone being rested, but I think a large contingency of the Springboks are going to come from the Stormers. Well, about 10 of them. 10 of the squad could come from the Stormers. Okay. I think probably more, but when we do the team closer to the time, we can bring this up again but it is great to see that the guys are going to get some rest they're going to get a almost a month in camp with the box while the all blacks and the aussies are still busy in super rugby whilst the top 14 still going on these boys will be in camp prepping and then unlike the other sides they go into the rugby championship so they've actually got a structured competition to rev them up again nothing i agree with you it's fantastic to see that well fantastic to see that we are in that we got kicked out of a number of competitions <laughs> and the guys are able to rest their legs it's a world cup yeah so it's it's a world cup yeah so it's acceptable and uh yeah we're going to work towards winning the rugby championship and the world cup again and then as a passing thought ronnie a lot of chatter this week so far about kitsy being the bok captain come 8 july what do you make of that i think he's kitsoff he's a good captain i think kitsoff is an excellent captain whether or not he would be the starting prop for the springboks and with them liking to utilize him in the bomb squad, I think that adds an aspect into that. The game time, 60 minutes, he can definitely captain for that long and then hand it over to a deputy. But I think it's going to come down to the dynamics of how they want to structure the bench and the bomb squad. And how they want to structure the leadership of the Springboks. We've it's been a number of years where we've not just had a captain and a vice captain or a forward captain and a backline captain. We've had line-out captains, scrum captains, backline captains, you know, general play captains we've had captains all over the show it's just Sia who's who's been chief of all captains so I think it's okay I think it's fine there's still a number of leaders scattered throughout the team yeah I think for me the most crucial choice should Sia not be available is the captain that's got the best rapport with the referees I think that's going to be crucial and that's not Yerbin that's not Yerbin and I think Lukanya Um as much as I think he'd also make a very good captain I think Lukanya would take away from his game he's he's He's, he's an unencumbered player. Yeah, that's that's a good description. So he's not in your face, and you probably need that a bit, but not as much as Eben, who's on the other side of the scale. So Kitschoff, I think maybe Goldilocks zone. Fantastic. It definitely could be a good option. And then also rumors of Dwayne Fumulin becoming the Springbok defense coach when Jacques Nienalbert departs. I don't know what to make. I thought that was an April Fool's. <laughs> in May. But yeah, so that'll be interesting to see if... Good old Thor does take up a role like that. But do you think he'd make a good defensive coach? I don't see why not. He's as hard as nails. He's as hard as nails, but he's just going to be like, be, be hard as nails. That's what he's going to tell us. Be. Yeah, I imagine 15 people being as hard as nails. Yeah, but you can't just be hard as nails. The R or you aren't. And yeah, maybe Dwayne needs to go and 
Yeah, maybe he maybe he proves me wrong. Maybe he's like Warren Whiteley, he's a bit of a whiz kid. And then also transfer news, it looks like Matt Proudfoot might be taking up a job as Lions forward coach. So shout out Matt, hopefully you get that spot. Then we can grab that beer up here because you'll be just down the road from us. You come over to our place for a bribe. There we go. Then to end off this episode, Tabo Msuku wrote into us and he said, you know, the Stormers are in their second final in two years. Is it harder to win it the second time or easier? I think it's harder. Fair enough. Well, so look, I think, think it's about? harder. It's absolutely a little, it, it is a little bit harder. I think there's a, there's an element of saying you've been here, you know what you, know what you have in, in the game and the event and you know how to prepare for it because you've been there before, but it's not because you've only been there once before. So there's still a lot of learning. You could have had Lady Luck or the rub of the green on the first time round, so you still have a lot to learn for the second time round. Maybe some of your players are a little bit complacent because they think, oh, a lot of these players have been here before. They'll they'll help me and the rest of the team carry it across the line. And um, I think that's the case. I think once you win it four, five, ten times, you know, 20 span. 20-year span, like the Crusaders and certain teams like that, strong teams like that, then it's maybe easier, right, making it to the final. But I think no final is easy, and I think people will become a little bit complacent seeing as it's back-to-back. Yeah, I think there's the dynamic of maybe more pressure that you're trying to retain it. There's that expectation that's there that it's at home for the second time as well. And I think I would actually love to know how John Dobson prepares for this game. You know, does he say, look, the expectation is for us to do it again. This is how we're going into it. Or does he say, you know, we've been here, boys. Let's take this on. We've got this. At what point do we no longer put Western Province Rugby in administration and say, geez, your team is doing so well, you surely should be pumping money right now? That's a good question, Ronnie. And I don't know if it's coming from Saru or from the Stormers management, but tickets for the final are only 80 Rand. They announced that today. They're going on sale on Thursday. Craig from the punter team and I will be down there. Ronnie, unfortunately, won't be joining us. But that's going to be a cracker game down at Greenpoint Stadium. I can't wait for two-minute beer cues again. And yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Catch us every Wednesday. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share us on your preferred listening platform. (laughs) 